Welcome to Faith and Victory Church. I'm glad you're here tonight. It's exciting times. Beautiful weather out there. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for being alive and active in this place. Lord Jesus, just speak to, you, speak to us by your word. Just speak the words uh, that you would have us here, Lord God. I pray that it would change lives and people would be different than when they first began uh, watching, Lord God. In your holy name, amen. Amen. So, Start again. Okay. I'll just pray. It's fine. <laughs> I think it's probably appropriate. Okay. Amen. 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 It's good to be here at Faith and Victory Church. I'm glad you're here to join us. Uh, we got to stay together as family, and I hope you enjoyed worshiping. I hope you were standing and worshiping with us. Um, let's open up in some prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. I thank you for this time that we can hear from your word. And Lord God, even though we may be in different places right now, Lord God, I know we're all connected together in you, Lord God. I pray that you would speak to us by your word, and that you would speak what we need to hear, each individual, the message you'd have for them, Lord God. In your holy name, amen. Amen. Okay, so last week we finished with the book of Acts, and it ends at the end of Acts with Paul in prison, imprisoned in Rome. Uh, today we're going to start a new book on Wednesday nights, uh, the book of Colossians, which is actually a prison letter written by Paul when he's in the prison at Rome. Uh, so this letter is written, I'll give you a little background here. This, this letter is written to the church in Colossae. It's a young and faithful uh, church of mostly Gentiles. And they're dealing with a lot of influences of false teachings, uh, detracting from the all-sufficiency of Christ. So they're in an area not too far away, maybe 100 miles away from Ephesus. Um, so this whole area is kind of a crossroads of culture, uh, crossroads of commerce. And so we see a lot of different influences coming in. So as a church that's young in the Lord, uh, they have these other influences coming in. It actually kind of reminds me of where we live in the country and how we can have lots of different influences coming in, trying, trying to change the message from just the sufficiency of Christ in our lives. Another interesting thing is Paul has never actually met the Colossians church in person, but he knows them through Epaphras who learned the good news through Paul and brought it home to Colossae, basically planning that church. The theme of the book of Colossians is Christ is all sufficient and above all things. Uh, Christians are made complete in him alone, needing nothing else for salvation. So let's get into the word uh, today. It's the Colossians. We're going to start in chapter one, verses one through eight. It says this, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. 
We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this uh, expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed changed your lives from the day you first heard it and understand the truth of God's wonderful grace. You learned how the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker, he is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. I'm working in the New Living Translation today. Um, and that's our verses. So uh, there's a few things I noticed out of uh, this section of scripture. Uh, the first one is this. Paul's letter brings encouragement. Paul says things like, may God give you grace and peace. We always pray for you. We have heard of your faith in Christ and your love for God's people. He mentions their confident hope in heaven. This must have been so encouraging for this young church. I mean, relatively new believers, uh, still trying to figure this whole church thing out. Uh, They're faithful. It says they're faithful, but they're enduring this challenge of the culture, uh, trying to work its way into their uh, congregation. And when you look at these scriptures in Colossians, there's there's two different kinds of cultures. There's the super religious culture that's from the Jews that's trying to bring a whole whole new um, level of things they have to do to somehow uh, be more holy or earn their faith. And then there's that kind of Gentile, mystical, other kind of uh, influences that are coming in trying to change um, what, what it means in the gospel. So you got one side saying the gospel is not enough and you got the other side saying that, uh, that the gospel isn't what it really is. And so I think you can see the parallels in our culture today, how we have some of those similar influences. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, so it shouldn't be entirely surprising that that's the case. But I guess, my guess is they were probably super encouraged because they're probably living with a lot of pressure right now to compromise their beliefs. It's like saying, it's like Paul saying, I see you. you, you have a great foundation, so keep up the good work and don't give up. Uh, that's, that's a message that I love. You know, I, I'm a person who thrives off of, uh, you know, honest, uh, positive encouragement. Um, I don't, next time you see me, don't start making up stuff to say. It has to be genuine encouragement, not just fun stuff. I don't need my ego inflated, but there's, you know, there's some people who want to get told you really suck and that motivates them to do better. And there's other people who just need a hug and say, hey, you know, keep going, keep going. And I'm the kind of guy who needs to be told, keep going, don't give up. Um, this kind of thing kind of reminds me of boot camp, actually, because uh, I was in the Marine Corps, and boot camp in the Marine Corps is not a positive, life-affirming situation. It's a uh, point out every little negative flaw or mistake and turn it into a source of punishment. So you spend a heck of a lot of time just trying not to get punished for something that you failed at. Um, you're only really motivated to avoid punishment, not to obtain a reward. And that's, uh, 
That's not a really good thing. It, now, it may get you ready to kill people, and I know that's trying to train you to go to war, but as far as a moving forward in your life and accomplishing things, if your whole perspective is trying not to get punished, instead of trying to do the great things that are laid before you, uh, you're not going to get very far. Um, you know, there's a lot of times there's this leadership dynamic. And I think people who have never been leaders, they look at the military and they think that leadership in the military means that you just berate your people uh, until they do what you want them to do. But even good leadership in the military has nothing to do with lording your position and power over people's heads. It has everything to do with motivating them to want to be a part of where you're moving together. Um, because creating fear in somebody, that's short-term gain. You can make somebody do something temporarily for a short-term gain by, by fearing them into it, but it's a long-term loss because you're going to lose them. You create people with negative biases. I mean, I spent a lot of time in my life uh, early on where uh, if I wasn't sure I would be successful at something, I wouldn't even try it because the bias in my head said, if I try this and fail, there's going to be some, some kind of punishment rather than saying, hey, let's give it my best shot. And if I fail, then I learned a lesson. Um, so I like how he encourages this church and, and gets them moving in the right direction. I mean, I learned everything the hard way, I, I, but I only learned what not to do. I remember this one time. Uh, you, you don't really have this opportunity to be confident in what you're trying to do right because they never encourage you in what you're doing right. And so I remember one time we were marching. You march everywhere. And one thing they would always say is to lean back and strut. So you're trying to march and you're like leaning back like this. And they just kept yelling at us, lean back, lean back. And I remember thinking, I can't lean back any further. I'm already there. And then they showed us this videotape of us marching. And you could clearly see the people who didn't know what it meant to lean back. But what would have been good for me is if they had said, listen, you guys here, you're leaning back. Great work. You guys over here, see what they're doing and do that. Rather than just berating all of us for something that we weren't doing right. I learned discipline. I need discipline. It's been a valuable skill my whole life. But the method of delivery could have been a lot different. Actually, uh, I remember another story. I was at the Marine Corps ball one time, standing outside, getting some fresh air. And this old kind of, I mean, he was drunk. Let's be honest. He walked up. And he, he looks at me and he says, I was a Marine too, you know, devil dog brother. And I'm like, oh, great, you know. And he said he was in during the Korean War. And then he told, I mean, this is a 45-second conversation. Then he tells me about this time, because he's missing a tooth and you can see it. He tells me about this time in boot camp where he had messed up with some of his drill movements. And his drill instructor took his rifle and butt-stroked him right in the face. Knocked him out, knocked his tooth out. I was like, wow. <laughs> so it could be worse. But nonetheless, uh, authentic, positive encouragement from Paul, I think, went a long way. He uh, refocuses them on the hope of heaven, not the fear of hell. Paul says, just as it changed your life from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's uh, wonderful grace. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11 says this. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. 
In Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, I pray that God, the source of all hope, will find you complete, uh, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Those are encouraging words. It's encouraging words. Now, this in no way takes away from the fact that we clearly have to have godly discipline in our life. There's no way around the fact that you do have things you need to correct and sanctification is a a lifelong goal. So I'm not taking that away, but let me share another story. Uh, I guess it would be a, a cautionary tale. Back when we were at the warehouse, back in the old days, uh, we had a, a, a young member of our church who taught karate. And so uh, he taught karate, and so Pastor Matt would bring Gabe, and I would bring Thad, and they would go down and they'd learn karate. So as they're learning karate, we, karate, we do what parents do, which is we hang out outside in the little waiting area, and we just chop it up, tell some stories. And so somehow I think we were telling stories about kids or, or whatever. And so this other guy who was there, he was telling a story of his older daughter. And she had had, uh, she's in high school. She had a party at, her, at, at their house. And she wasn't have, supposed to have a party. Well, they come home and they find her. They, she's had this party. So he, you know, disciplines her really, really hard. He, she gets grounded and punished. And he said this. He said he took everything out of her room, basically everything she owned, away from her. And she had to earn it back one by one. And, uh, you know, and I guess the first thing she earned back the next day was her bed. But I remember thinking, like, that is so harsh. But in our world today, I bet maybe, how did you react to it? Did you think, wow, he showed her. She'll never do that again. Yeah. And then the next part of his story was, and and she stopped speaking to him. And she's never spoke to him since. I just remember thinking, was that what you were going for? Was that the goal of the whole adventure? Because I think when you're dealing with people and you're deciding whether you need to crack down hard negative or give them encouragement, you should think about the goal you're going for. And the goal Paul is going for in this is a moment to encourage the church in their walk with Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2 says, Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether it is the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Amen? My second point is this. Uh, We, as the global church, are all connected. Uh, Paul is praying for them right now and thanking God for them. A a church he has never even met in person. Why? Because he knows that they love God and that they love God's people and that they are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, In this In this letter in Colossians, in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says this. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Lady Osea and for many other believers who have never met me in, uh, never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. You know, it's interesting. Um, there's this church that we're connected to in Pakistan as Faith and Victory Church in Christ in Pakistan, actually. That whole thing got started uh, because uh, of a relationship between Pastor Todd and Robin of Pakistan. So Robin had reached out to another brother in Christ and Pastor Todd committed to praying for them um, and just having fellowship 
with them. And this relationship started. Um, and I was talking to Pastor Todd about this this week. And he said the thing that really stuck out was he wasn't really asking for anything except for relationship, prayer, and they were just so faithful. So they connected. They uh, connected on Facebook. They shared a relationship. Um, it was a, it was like a year later before we are uh, before we actually started uh, helping to support their church in Pakistan. Um, and so FEC Pakistan is in a, in a heavily persecuted area. Um, it's a place where you'd probably go to jail if you tried to share the gospel. Uh, it's not something we really understand here. We think we do, but I don't think that we really do. Um, the government is not favorable to Christians, but even still, they're a growing church. They provide food and aid for other Pakistani Christian churches that have passed out thousands of Bibles and are currently supporting about 80 families during this COVID crisis. Now, Robin has tried to come visit us in America, but as you can probably imagine, uh, a young single male from a Muslim country has quite a hard time trying to get a visa to come visit America. But uh, about, uh, I would say it was probably about five years after the relationship began in 2018, Pastor Todd got the opportunity to go to Pakistan and visit Robin and their church and finally got to meet face to face. Todd said this to me about it. He said, the thing that struck me when we visited was that these people are faithful to God. They are the few and the persecuted and face overwhelming challenges, but walk in God's confidence every day. It's very humbling. And you can actually connect with FBC Pakistan. If you go to on Facebook and you type in FBC Pakistan, you can find them and you can follow their adventures, see what they're up to. And you can, you too can be connected globally between uh, other churches that you've never met face to face, but you have the ability to be a part of their lives because we're all faithful to, to Christ. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're connected through Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 13 says this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So even though we've never connected, you think about the global church. We are individual churches, but we are also one big global church, and we're all part of this body working together. We need each other. We need each other. We need them just as much as they need us, because uh, we're, we're all part of this body of Christ. Colossians chapter 4 verse 16 says, After you have read this letter, pass it on to the church in Laodicea, so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. So you can see here, even the letters that Paul is writing from prison, he wants them to share these letters. He wants them to have relationship between their churches because um, they're not in competition with each other. <laughs> We're all working towards the same goal, that people would come to know the Savior, Jesus Christ. The third thing I recognized in this uh, set of scriptures was, a faithful servant is in need to bring the good news. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your life from the day you first heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant. 
So when you look at the, the timeline and the connection with these things here, you see that, that Paul preached the gospel in uh, Ephesus. Ephesus is about 100 miles away from Colossae. Um, it's believed by scholars that Epaphras probably was with Paul in um, Ephesus, and that's where he heard the gospel preached. So Paul preached the gospel, Epaphras heard the gospel and got saved, then he went back home to his town, and he preached the gospel, and essentially planted a church there in uh, in Colossae. So even though Paul has never met them face to face, he is essentially the spiritual grandfather of the Colossian church. And Epaphras is kind of like the spiritual father. But we see that connection there. Paul's on a missionary journey. He connects with Epaphras, who goes on his own little journey back home. And he creates uh, another church there of people who want to know and serve Christ. Uh, and they go back to a community, Lady Osea and uh, Heropolis are both really close to Colossae. And so they end up making those connections too, where they're all sharing the gospel and the connection of Christ together. But when you look through the book of Colossians and when you look in chapter 4, you see that Paul and Epaphras aren't the only ones doing this work. Paul lists a whole bunch of people who were serving together with him uh, in the cause for Christ. He uh, talks about um, Tychicus, uh, Onesimus, um, Aristarchus, Mark, Justice, Demos, Luke. All these people are in this thing together, working together to spread the gospel around uh, with Paul. Um, so it takes, it takes a whole bunch of people. In Matthew chapter 28 Verses 19 and 20, it says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I have given you. This doesn't happen all at once. I mean, it's going to take the whole body of Christ to accomplish this. Um, I think sometimes, it may be a cultural thing for us, but I think it's a human nature thing that, that we want everything right now. And really quickly. And something like fulfilling the great commission. And bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. Is not something that just happens quickly. It's something that happens over a long, long period of time. Over lots of toil and sacrifice. I mean, Paul's in prison right now. Trying to write this letter. And uh, send these people out. And, and to encourage the, the Christian believers. But it takes generations, it takes time, it takes, I mean, it, you can look up so many different stories of missionaries out there that have really laid it all out on the line uh, to bring the gospel. I mean, if you look at Robin and the church in Pakistan, I mean, they're in an area that uh, is, is literally persecuting Christians and they're still going out there and doing everything they can to keep spreading the gospel. Um, Earlier this year, actually, just under the wire, um, Q missions, I went with Q missions to Cambodia. Uh, actually, a little under the wire because, you know, COVID kind of came out and kind of got popular in January. And we were in uh, uh, Cambodia in the beginning of February. But somehow, <laughs> somehow we made it out unscathed out of the area. Um, but, but we're down there. And we've been down there for, for many years working with some missionaries down there. And so this is how the story goes. The, the father, Chan, is down there. And Chan is, uh, he's the guy, wearing, that's Chan right there, wearing the red shirt. 
So Chan is down there, and he lived through the persecution of Popot and the genocide that happened in Cambodia. So he actually got forced into the army back then, uh, the Cambodian army. And so the very place that we go and do ministry is the very fields that he fought in, uh, just this side of the border of Vietnam. It's amazing to talk to him and hear him tell the story. But the story of his salvation is that he was captured on the battlefield, beaten and left for dead. And, and in days he had woken up, crawled his way to the road and a traveling uh, kind of nurse's um, field hospital cart picked him up and took him to this field hospital where a nurse there shared a track with him about uh, Jesus Christ and God and the gospel. And that's, he got saved from that. So he got radically saved because this nurse was out there in the trenches serving people. So he gets saved. And then so he brings that back and he brings the Bible and he sits the Bible down in front of his whole family. And he basically walks them through the same way this track walked him through it. And he gets his family saved. And then he spends the next 20 years or more uh, working throughout the community, spreading the gospel in the community, and others get saved. Next thing you know, there are churches planted in the village. Next thing you know, he's gathering the church pastors together so that they can become connected and united and support each other in this ministry. Well, a couple years ago, um, uh, Chan passed away. Actually, it's not interesting, but tragic. It's the same year my father passed away. Um, And so... Chan's son, Tim, has a ministry there where they do uh, service work, they do teaching and, and caring for people. But this last year, uh, Tim and his, and his mission brought us down there. And what we did this year with Q Missions is we uh, had a conference with about 30 pastors and other ministry leaders. And we helped teach them. Uh, it, well, there's two parts. One part is that to get them together and get them connected. Because the work that Chan had started, since he wasn't there anymore, they start drifting apart. And we all know how important it is to have a community of believers and leaders and, and, and people serving in ministry connecting with each other and supporting each other. So we brought these pastors together. There was about 30 of them. And we taught them things like teamwork and um, uh, people development and those kind of things. So that they could go back to their churches and they could teach their people and raise up their own leaders. It's like force multiplication. We teach them how to raise up leaders. They go back to their churches. They raise up leaders. And we have this connection of mission and ministry that all connects. So you have Chan getting saved uh, because a nurse put herself in the mission field. He brought this back to his town and helped others get saved. They spread out with their churches across the entire village. Uh, We Americans come from America and go over there and try to pour into them a little bit of what we have and they take it back to their people who will multiply their people. So we have a whole situation here where There's people being affected by the gospel that we participated in that we have never even met face to face. And the mission goes forward. It's it's pretty awesome. It's an impactful thing. And that's why mission work is so important. Uh, Romans chapter 10 verses 14 and 15 say this. 
But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. I want you to spend time. um, You know, here's the thing is that I know that during this, this season of hardship, during this COVID virus, there's two things that I've, I've forced or that I've been kind of tunneled into focusing on. One is the whole virus thing, the play by play, what's happening, what's the president say, what's the news say, whatever. So I'm trying to not focus on that. The other thing is, how is this affecting me personally? And I don't know if you've ever read the comments on YouTube videos Almost entirely people talking about how it affects them personally. And their strategy for what we should do as an entire 325 million person nation is whatever works best for them. Nonetheless, I don't want to fall into that trap. But right now, I think you need to recognize that all sorts of ministry leaders, local pastors, uh, local nonprofits, and missionaries everywhere are the ones taking the biggest brunt. Because if you think about it, when somebody loses their job or their income's affected, the first, peers, first people they cut off are the missionaries. They're giving money to missionaries as some kind of added bonus out of their overflow rather than realizing the impact those dollars are making out there for people actually coming to know Christ, which is where our finances and everything should be focused on. Local churches, ministries, missionaries, the people who are actually doing the the lion's share of uh, preaching the gospel. And so as you go throughout this week and and into the future, I mean, I want you to think about and pray for those missionaries out there in the field, those pastors who don't have uh, churches who have the means to keep them going and support them. These people need your prayers more than anything, more than than you need prayers for yourself, if we're being honest. It's an important, important thing. So as we close out tonight, I I want you to remember, be an encourager because Your fellow believers need to hear encouragement from you. They need to know when they are on the right track just as much as they need to hear from you when they're not on the right track. Because we're connected together as a global church. And we can't lose sight of that. You're not a solo agent unto yourself. Faith and Victory Church isn't a solo agent unto itself. We're not competing with each other. We're not even competing with other churches. We're all trying to work together as one body Uh, for the goal of people coming to know the Savior. What you really have to ask yourself about this whole missionary thing is, what what are you doing to fulfill the Great Commission? What, What are you doing to bring the gospel to the world? Are you supporting a missionary? Are you being a missionary? Are you uh, supporting a local church? Are you uh, sharing the gospel with people you know? Are you creating relationships with people around the world through social media who you can pray for and encourage so they don't lose heart when they're trying to share the gospel? There's all these things that you can do because what we see from this letter uh, to the Colossians is that the most important thing is Christ. And salvation through Christ. That's what's changing the world. That's what's bringing fruit into the world. And so as we close tonight. I just want us to to bow our heads. 
And I really want to give you an opportunity right now that if Jesus Christ isn't your Lord and Savior, I want to give you a chance to make him your Lord and Savior. Because there's no more important decision. This decision uh, goes above and beyond anything we're dealing with now, anything we'll deal with in the future, and honestly, anything we've dealt with in the past. This secures your future and your hope for heaven, just like Paul encouraged the Colossians. So I want to give you this moment now to... uh, Uh, We're going to pray, and I want you to pray this prayer with me that you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your heart. So pray with me. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Lord God, uh, please forgive me for the sins I've committed and the wrongs I've committed. Lord God, I don't want that old life anymore. Lord Jesus, make me new by your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I love you. I want you to change my life and I repent of everything I've done wrong. Lord God, I give my life to you and I I pray, Lord God, that you would be my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you made that decision tonight, what I want you to do, I think there's some prompts on the screen right here. I want you to go ahead and uh, go to faithandvictory.com and just let us know and uh, we'll try to provide you with some support um, and welcome to the Faith and Victory family. So let's close the service with prayer. Lord God, we love you so much. You are all supreme, Lord God. You, you are all that is worthy and I'm we're devoted, for, uh, devoted to, Lord God. As we go about our business tonight, Lord, let us not forget your workers. Let us for not, not to forget your power, Lord God. And let us never forget to honor you and live for you in our hearts. In your holy name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming to Faith and Victory Church online. And please go to uh, be prepared for Sunday service uh, next week and check us out on Facebook and check us out on the website.